It's Philosophy Talk. I haven't spent most of my life behind bars for nothing. I've reached a few conclusions about penology, and a couple of them may be valid. What's it like to teach philosophy in prison? What's it like to learn philosophy while in prison? You want your prisoners to dance out the gates like puppets on a string, with rubber stamp values, impressed by you, with your sense of conformity, your sense of behavior, even your sense of morality. That's the sound of the men working on the chain Is a philosophically educated prisoner more compliant or more unruly? A guest is Jennifer Lackey, who teaches philosophy at Northwestern University and at Stateville Correctional Center. Philosophy behind bars. That's the sound of the men working on the chain Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken and I teach philosophy. And today we're thinking about philosophy behind bars. What's it like to teach philosophy in a prison? What's it like to study it there? Well, prison, John, I would guess, is probably not the most conducive setting for philosophy in any mode. Well, certainly not here in the good old U.S. of A. Our prisons are overcrowded warehouses. They're excessively focused on punishment. You know, it's not that way everywhere. You should see the prisons in Norway. Well, I don't really want to see the inside of a prison anywhere, John. Well, the point is that prisons don't have to be so bleak. They can be places of rehabilitation, education, and repair. You know, I'm all for rehabilitation, but we are talking America here. And the reality of America is that we're obsessed with punishment. Yeah, but that's kind of a false dichotomy. It doesn't have to be rehabilitation versus punishment. I hate to keep harping on Norway. But I'm sure you will. Yeah, well, they're, they're great people. The Norwegians think that losing freedom and being confined are already punishment enough. They feel no need to heap on additional daily insults to inmates' dignity. That attitude frees him to focus much more on rehabilitation and education. Well, okay, that's fine for Norway, but Norway is Norway. This is America. Well, we could learn a lot from the Norwegians. I'm sure we could, but I bet we won't. Well, a lot of people are trying to improve things here. Some of them are working on large-scale prison reform at the state and national levels. Mm, Good luck with that in the current political environment. But of interest to us today are some of them are working down in the trenches trying to reach one inmate at a time. A surprising number of those folks are philosophers. But okay, okay. Let's, I'm going to play along, but I've got to ask you, why philosophy? If you're going to teach inmates anything, shouldn't it be something more practical and job-oriented? I mean, besides, a philosophically educated inmate, I can, I'm sure some people believe, is probably a more unruly, questioning, and skeptical inmate. Well, or maybe a more sober and reflective one, more prepared to take stock of his life. And what's What's more practical than people that have started off on the wrong path getting back on the right path? Well, if it were a perfect world, I, but, but you know, John, it's not a perfect world. Education dollars are scarce in this country. I mean, who can blame people for wanting to spend more money on our underfunded high schools and universities and less on prison education? After all, 
that will actually help keep more people out of prison in the first place. Another false dichotomy, Ken. We can educate both the free and the incarcerated. Well, tell that to financially strapped inner city school districts. John, tell that to parents struggling with the cost of college tuition. I would rather tell it to politicians wasting money in all sorts of ways. We're a rich country. I mean, we've got the wallet. What we lack is the will. Well, I don't know. Besides, our current prison system is much more expensive than it needs to be, partly because the door to the prison cell, it's a revolving door. You're you're talking about uh, recidivism rates, I take it. Yeah. Ours are, I mean, in the USA, they're the highest in the world, Ken. If we focus more resources on education and rehabilitation, Recidivism would be a lot lower, and the prison system would be a lot less costly, and there would be a lot more education dollars to go around everywhere. Well, Dan, look, you, you have convinced me of something I think important. What, that I'm just a softy liberal do-gooder? I thought you knew that already. <laughs> yeah, I did know that. You've convinced me that the real problem isn't financial. That's just, that's just a distraction. The real problem is our inability to appreciate the humanity of the incarcerated. When, when you warehouse prisoners away and run a revolving door system like we do, it's far too easy to just forget about the incarcerated at best or completely demonize them at worst. And the reason for that is a disproportionate number of brown and black people in our prisons. That's a problem Norway doesn't have much more homogeneous country. Our whole approach is, frankly, I think, a recipe for disaster. Ah, now, you, now you're getting the message, Ken. So, so how do we shine a light on the humanity of the incarcerated? How do we do that? Well, here's step one. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to learn how a philosophy in prison program works. Uh, it's one in Kansas, and it, and it led one trans woman inmate to explore gender and self-identity, and that empowered her both inside and outside the prison walls. Shuka files this report. When Joanne Ramsey was 18 years old, she fell in love with a 16-year-old boy, a minor. She was sentenced to eight years in prison. During that time, she was physically and emotionally abused by her fellow inmates. Joanne is transgender, but at the time, she had not transitioned. I was raped my first day. And so that was like a wake-up call to like figure out how I was going to handle, you know, the next hundred months of my life in this environment. Growing up, Joanne was quiet and shy, but that doesn't work in a maximum security prison. She quickly learned to put on a mask. You know, like the drag queen persona. That's really popular in prison because it keeps you safe. The louder you are, the more visible you are, the harder it is for someone to pull you off by yourself the harder it is for someone to um, isolate you and, you know, have the opportunity for abuse. After six years of battling, Joanne became the first transgender woman in the state of Kansas to transition while incarcerated. But the first time she really thought about gender was when she read Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex during a philosophy course in prison. The book explores the historical treatment of women. I think for a while I got stuck in these like campy heteronormative gender roles and so like to read this feminist philosophy and to kind of you know challenge myself and what I viewed as femininity was um, really empowering to me. Joanne was able to talk to her classmates, her fellow inmates, about her experience as a transgender woman. Joanne loved her philosophy class. She'd even make sure all her classmates did their readings and arrived to class on time. She wanted her colleagues to know that, despite what they've been told, despite being in prison, they had the capacity for critical thinking. 
Sydney Harvey is with the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She's the founder of the Philosophy in Prison program at Lansing Correctional Facility in Kansas. Joanne was one of Sydney's favorite students. She was fantastic at bringing whatever discussion we were talking about, whether it was Nietzsche or um, the Upanishads, and she had a way to bring it back to her particular situation. And I really respected that because um, it had these men who I, I kind of got the feeling normally didn't care to speak about um, her particular situation. They were very comfortable in the room, and um, she had an outlet for that. Sydney's prison philosophy class consists of about 15 inmates and six philosophy students from the university. The students and inmates read and discuss ancient Eastern philosophy, Western philosophy, and Thomas Nagel's What It's Like to Be a Bat, a favorite of the inmates. I find it very gratifying to know that we can take a philosophy text like Descartes and bring it into a prison and, first of all, prove that prisoners can comprehend this level of text, and second, to prove that philosophy is not just for a niche group of elite scholars who are trained on how to read it. Philosophy is about life, and it's about humanity, and it's about existence, and, and I firmly believe that anyone who belongs into one of those categories can understand philosophy if they want to. Joanne, the transgender woman who encouraged all her peers to take Sydney's philosophy course, never got to finish the course herself. She was released from prison partway through the semester in September 2016. You know, being in the philosophy class, it kind of gave me a little bit more confidence to go back to school, and so I've enrolled in Johnson County Community College. I don't know if I necessarily would have had the same amount of confidence if I hadn't taken some of these college-type courses that are offered in the prison system. And the philosophy class is probably one of the most difficult ones, and so you have to really dedicate yourself to that and explore some different ideas. Today, Joanne lives in transitional housing in Kansas City. After only five months out of prison, she got promoted to manager at her job at Dunkin' Donuts. But Joanne says that's just the beginning. Access to higher education in prison, especially philosophy education, showed Joanne that even after eight years behind bars, she has the power to succeed. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. To hear the rest of this program, head to philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking.